The title of my message this morning is Repentance, the Core Message of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you right now that that is um, my purpose this morning is to make that real to every one of you. I don't think it's very real to people, you know, but um, all the teachings that Jesus had, and we have repentances kind of buried in there somewhere, but that's not the truth of the matter. Repentance is the foundation of all that Jesus taught. And, you know, so I'm talking to you about Repentance, but I want you to understand I'm not talking about repentance of sexual sin. That's just very tiny in my mind this morning. I'm talking about repenting of yourself. Who you are as a person, your character, meaning who you are when no one is looking. Repenting of your mind, the way that it works, what it thinks about, what it's focused on most of the time. I'm talking about repenting of your heart. What is really sitting in the central place of your heart? What is really important to you? Your whole being desperately needs a complete overthrow, a complete transformation. You know, the Lord told the Jewish people, you are rotten from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. Your hearts are desperately wicked. But they did not like that message. And they rejected it. They rejected it in Isaiah's time. They rejected it in Jeremiah's time. They rejected it when Jesus Christ himself, the Messiah that they said they were waiting for, when he was standing right before them, they rejected the message then and hung him on a cross. Because people do not want to be told there's anything wrong with them. The American church is not really any different than the Jewish culture, the Jewish community of the first century. There's a lot of religion. There's a lot of talk about God. But God is kept far from their hearts. We have learned how to honor Him with our lip service. But we keep our hearts away from Him. Because we want what we want. And we don't want God intruding 
in our lives at that level. Everyone wants to go to heaven. Join the crowd. 80%, according to George Barna, 80% of Americans believe they are on their way to heaven. Everyone wants to think that when they die, that they're going to be in the good place instead of the bad place with Adolf Hitler and Charles Manson and horrible people like that. Everyone wants to be in heaven, but how few are really willing to go through the process of sincere and earnest and real repentance. Where you really are changed from the inside out to become a different person. Not just someone that's added Christianity onto your life and you've kind of adopted some of the morals and sort and that sort of thing. Oh, I hate abortion. I don't think that's right. And, and uh, homosexuality, marriage and all that stuff. That's not right. Okay, so you've adopted a few morals, but where does that put you? That does not put you one step closer to God. All that does is tend to breed self-delusion and, and hypocrisy, self-righteousness. I feel for sincere pastors out there because if they attempt to bring the whole counsel of God's word to people, they will be, I won't say literally crucified, but they will be crucified because people are ugly and some of the ugliest people in this country are church people, deacons. And people who want to control things and don't want their pastors intruding. But even if they're sincere and they feel like they have to be diplomatic and walk on tiptoes around their people, there is no excuse for them to water down the gospel. That's the sincere pastors. But the reality is, I'm going to say many, but I think most, probably, pastors are just swept up in the worldliness of this culture as much as the people sitting in the pews. God help them. Let not many of you become teachers knowing that as such you shall incur a stricter judgment. Man, we act like judgment day is just a fantasy. It's a farce. No, dear ones, we will stand before God and we will give an accounting for the way we lived our lives. It may seem teensy to you, but I promise you, when you are standing before God Almighty, and next to Him is His Son, who laid it all down, who died a horrible, torturous death, so that you could have life, 
I promise you, you will think differently on that day. We have become saturated with a false grace message in this church. The basic message, although it doesn't come out so uh, explicitly as this, is live your life for yourself. Just make sure you come to church every Sunday and make sure that you leave your, your tithes behind because we need tithes to keep this thing going. Is there anyone in here that wants to refute what I'm saying? We've bought into an easy believism because we are in live our lives basically in a lust for the things that this world offers. It's a man-centric gospel that's being preached in the pulpits of our land. It's a feel-good gospel. It's a self-esteem gospel. It's a gospel focused on fulfilling self rather than denying self. Just self-centeredness everywhere you turn. Compare that to what you watched last night. The Bible predicted what the end times church would look like. We are in the beginning phases of the apostate church right now. We are in it. And Paul talked about it in 2 Timothy 3. I mean, the very first thing, he, he lists a catalog of the kind of Ways of Christians will be thinking and living and acting. The very first thing is they will be lovers of self. Secondly, they will be lovers of money. That is what fuels the American Christian enterprise. With all the competition amongst ministers to sell the most books, get the most people in their churches, get the most uh, listeners to their radio shows. It's all fueled by greed and selfishness and pride. Listen, if I sound angry, this comes from years and years and years of weeping over the church. I don't preach like this very often. But it's in my heart all the time. He said people, Christians, will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what the Bible says. Man, can't you see it? Can't you see it's been in your own heart? You're in real trouble 
If you can't see that you walked in these doors as a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. A form of godliness. Just a fake fraud act. But denying, keeping the Holy Spirit away from your heart. And the very next chapter, he, Paul went on. He got back on track. He said, one more thing I need to tell you about this end times church. People will be heaping to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. Tell them exactly what they want to hear. Our culture is defined by self-love. It's all about getting everything you want. About going after every dream, fulfilling every desire, every ambition. Oh, I'm into this. And, you know, and you just go after it. Don't even stop to ask God what He thinks about it. It's your right to have everything you want. And in America, we have the prosperity where you can get it. I thank God you visitors picked today to show up here. You probably had it coming for some reason or another. I'm just starting, though. I just want you to know. The church is permeated and dominated by the same self-centered, self-focused, self-loving spirit that's in the world. There's not much difference. We have a few differences of moral thinking, but the realities of our hearts are very little, there's very little difference from the world. We applaud ourselves because we get up on Sunday and go to church. We lie to ourselves and tell, tell ourselves how godly we are. I walk with the Lord. Yeah. You guys that have come here, that church culture, you have been cut out of the same fabric You came here fully engulfed in self-love. Now I know that stings more for you brand new guys. I'm sorry. Guys that have been here a while, there are guys in this place who've had breakthroughs. I thank God for that. I thank God that some of you guys, many of you, You've turned a corner. You're headed in the right direction. But you need this message resounding in your ears and in your hearts so that when you leave here and you get out in that culture, you will never, ever, ever forget the things that you heard in this place. The message 
by and large, going forth from the pulpits of America is that you're a good person. You deserve heaven. You're doing good. Keep up the good work. Let's praise God and sing a few songs, hymns. We don't even think about what the words mean. We just sing along. Let's all feel good about ourselves and go home and get into what we really want to do, which is watch football or whatever. How different the message that Jesus Christ brought. And that's really what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to be doing a lot of reading, which I loathe to do. It is the last thing a good preacher does, is do a lot of reading. But I want you to hear what Jesus said, because what he said is more important than anything I could come up with. And we're told in Matthew 4, just as Jesus, his ministry was getting started, the first thing they said about him, about his message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But that, you know, it's not like he went around from town to town and all he said for an hour was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, we know that that's just like, that is basically what he's talking about everywhere he goes. It's a summation of his messages. He's got all kinds of different messages. I I used to be an evangelist. I used to travel. Every other weekend I was in a different city or country or whatever. I had messages, you know, that I would take to different situations and stuff. And Jesus had different messages. But at the, at the foundation of it was this. His message is you're self-centered. You're prideful. You don't care about other people. You love the things of the world. You don't really love God. Doesn't matter how nice you think you are. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You need a radical revolution to take place within your heart. You need to become a completely different person than who you currently are. That was the message of Jesus Christ. And it was interwoven in all the different parables and teachings and all of it. I want to look at um, something he said in Matthew 16. It was one of those... Messages. And this message was repeated in Mark and Luke. You know, just to have Jesus, one of his teachings, and basically parts of it in all four Gospels. As far as I know, the only teaching that he ever gave that was in all the Gospels, and not just I mean, there's pieces of it scattered throughout. And I'm going to get to some of them. Now, the the setting here is he has taken his disciples up north, up by Caesarea Philippi, and they're together. He's, 
you know, he's they've already seen his him working and and the teachings and the miracles. He's seen all that and and he says, "Who do you say that I am?" and or "Who do people say that I am?" and different suggestions came out and finally Peter said, "You are the 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 Christ, the son of the living God." And Jesus said, "On that confession, I will build my church." But then he went into that to start describing what the religious leaders of his day were going to do to him. They were going to mock him, spit on him, hit him, abuse him, and hang him on a cross. And Peter, full of sentimentality, takes him aside and rebukes him. Jesus, don't talk like that. That's crazy. Don't, don't say those things. Because he had in his mind what he wanted things to be was Jesus was going to initiate his new kingdom right then and Peter would be right there at his right hand side. And it was all going to be glorious and Peter would be glorified like everyone, you know, the other disciples and all of that, just like Jesus. And Jesus said, no, Peter, no. The devil is talking through you for you're setting your mind on man's interests and not on God's interests. That describes the church set on man's interests, not God's interests. And then Jesus said this, if anyone wishes to come after me, man, he sure knew how to thin the crowds. Just the very opposite of what we get, these sales pitches we get in our churches today. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. I want to just take this apart for a minute and just look at these different phrases here. Because like I said, this is really in Jesus' heart. This is what he wants people to hear. So he starts off with this first one. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. That's where he begins. And, you know, the first thing we see here is that there's an option. If. If means not everybody's going to do this. You don't have to do it. You guys in this program, you do not have to do this. You don't have to take Jesus at what he says. You don't have to deny yourself. But you can. You can. You can learn to adopt that lifestyle. But one thing I can tell you, as much as you might fool yourself, you cannot have Jesus on your own terms and you cannot have him and have the things of this world. 
You can't live for the things of the world and think that you're having Jesus. You're just deceiving yourself. I wrote this book a few years back. It's one of our least sellers. Standing firm through the great apostasy. Who in the world wants to read about that? You know, I don't write (laughs) to attract millions. And I don't think Jesus would have done that either. But I'm going to read a little bit out of the first chapter, which is the message of the cross. A person cannot and will not follow Christ until he has renounced his allegiance to self. As long as self reigns in his heart, as long as he is primarily devoted to self, he will repeatedly prove himself to be a traitor to Christ's kingdom. And if you don't think that's true of yourself, you don't know yourself. I know it's true of me. If I'm in self, I don't care one whit about anyone else or about God's kingdom. That's why I have to constantly fight to live in the Spirit. Because my flesh is rotten and selfish. The fundamental difference between a true and false believer lies in the question of loyalty. Is he devoted to Christ or to himself? When it comes right down to it, is he going to look out for number one or will his primary loyalties be to Christ? Think about Corey and Betsy and their father. You know, for years they just... They lived out the mercy life to those um, mentally retarded kids and, and just doing things like that. And when it came right down to it, what was in them came out. And they continued to live for Jesus, even at their own expense. The horror of the Gestapo. I've been to their house. The Gestapo station was right around the corner. But they couldn't say no to the Lord. They had to reach out to those Jewish people. They had long before settled it. I am yours and you are mine. I am devoted to you, Lord. What you say is what I'm going to do. You can deceive yourself and say, I would have done the same thing, but you better be proving it in your daily life now. I think of that ship captain, that Greek ship captain of a number of years ago. His 